Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Let's give another round of applause to Miss Beth and our choir this morning. Fantastic job as usual. Lottie Moon, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is of course a special offering that we take up as Southern Baptists every year. It's special because 100% of that offering goes directly to the mission field. Last year, our church collected almost $30,000 to go directly to missions around the world, supporting our more than 3,000 missionaries on the international mission field. So I'm very proud of our church, and I challenge you this year, church, to uh, do the same, and uh, let's give towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and international missions. Now, we had a cutout of Lottie Moon, the lady, last week. And somebody actually asked Shane this week, I won't say who, but one of our youth asked him, said, Pastor, when is Lottie Moon coming to our church to speak? (laughs) Unfortunately, she's been going on to glory for a long time, but that's why we talk about missions. We try to teach our kids about missions and the importance of it. Let's stand together for just a moment, shake somebody's hand, take a little break this morning, and tell everybody good morning. job guys very good (laughs) well I can't believe that Christmas is upon us it it is truly that time of the year we had uh, I think about 60 or so kids from the city school in here this past Friday for Bible release time got to share the Christmas story with them and I, I got to the part about the wise men 
And uh, they were asking about there being three wise men. I'm like, how do you know there's three? The Bible doesn't say there were three wise men. They, one kid said, preacher. I was standing down here. He said, look, there's three right behind you. There were three of them. We know it. But I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. And I, I hope you get to spend some quality time with your family throughout this Christmas season. This morning, we're going to be wrapping up, uh, close to wrapping up, our Bible reading plan, and we're going to be talking about the good news of Christmas. And believe it or not, we're not going to be in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John this morning. We're going to be in another book that actually does deal with the message of Christmas. And we've looked at the several letters throughout uh, the New Testament from the Apostle Paul. This morning, we're going to jump over to the first letter of the Apostle John, First John chapter 1 this morning. Now, who was John? John was one of the original 12 disciples. He was one of the first people that Jesus called to follow him, along with his brother James. And John had a unique relationship with the Lord. He was very close to the Lord throughout his ministry. He was possibly even related to Jesus on Mary's side. And it was John, along with his brother James and Peter, who kind of made up Jesus' inner circle of followers. They were very close to the Lord and had a very close relationship with him. So much so that as Jesus hung on the cross dying, Jesus looked down at none other than John and gave John the responsibility of caring for and providing for his own mother, Mary. Now, most of the New Testament... And this is why we're going to look at John, 1 John chapter 1 this morning, because I feel like this was written to people just like us. Most of the New Testament was written to first or even second generations of Christians. What I mean by that, it was people that had seen Jesus or their followers and their converts. Now, John just so happened to outlive all of the other apostles. He's the only one of the 12 that actually died of old age or natural causes. And so John wrote in his later years in life, sitting probably far from his home, we think probably in the city of Ephesus where Paul had been and some of the others had been. And he writes to a generation of believers that was a little farther removed from that firsthand knowledge of Jesus. And being so, these believers, these Christians, were more apt to question the truth. They were more apt to even distort the truth and just downright get it wrong, just to put it bluntly. And so in that, they would often teach or even believe something that was just heresy, we would say. It was, it was false doctrine. And so John writes to deal with this. And one of the things that that generation struggled with was the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The very thing that we celebrate on Christmas of Jesus, of God becoming a man and living here on earth as Jesus of Nazareth. They could not figure that out. And I don't know if anybody here can actually figure that out and wrap your mind around it. But instead of accepting that in faith, they came up with all these false doctrines to answer those very difficult questions. And so this old apostle, this dear friend and follower of Christ sits down to address these issues. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1. We're going to look at the first four verses. There's so much packed into this. John tells us this. He says, what was from the beginning? And notice what he says, what we've heard, what we have seen with our eyes. What we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. 
That life was revealed. We have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we've seen, what we've heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. What's interesting about these men, about the apostles, the the original followers of Jesus Christ, to me, is that each one is unique in his own person, but still when they write or they teach, their message is still unified. So where Paul used all these fancy words and these stories, John is very black and white. He's right to the heart of the matter. It's either light and darkness, life and death, it's right or it's wrong. But John, again, was one of the last of his counterparts to be able to sit down quite a, a, you know, probably 60 years or so after Jesus to sit down and write to a generation, a totally different generation than, than the one that Peter and Paul dealt with. And he jumps right into the heart of the matter. Unlike Paul, he doesn't say, hey church, how you doing? Good to hear from you. He says, in the beginning, just like he does in his gospel, in the beginning. And he gives us three timeless truths in these four verses. The first is very important. It's kind of simple. And that's that Jesus was actually a man. Now you're thinking, preacher, we hired you to tell us something more than this. We understand Jesus was a man. But you realize in John's generation, they struggled with the idea that Jesus was actually a a, a person, a regular human being like we are. They understood that there was something special about him, that he was probably God, but they could not figure out how how a man could do the things or say the things that Jesus did. They knew about his miracles. They knew about him being raised uh, from the dead, and they could not accept that Jesus truly was an ordinary man. But we know he wasn't just an ordinary man, but he was still a man nonetheless, just like me and you. This same flesh... The same needs. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He got sick. And John again begins this letter like he does his gospel. Which says in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And now when John in 1 John talks about the beginning. He's not talking about the beginning of all things. Or the beginning of time. He's talking now about the beginning of this man. The beginning of Jesus of Nazareth. And as John's gospel goes on to say, he says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed or beheld his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And what John is saying is that even though the Son of God is eternal, there's never a time in history when the Son of God did not exist. He says that eternal Son of God at one point in our time actually became a man, actually became a human being who took on our flesh. The language John used says he pitched his tent or pitched his tabernacle and lived among us. John says, listen, we have experienced this man. Consider what John's saying. He says, first, we've heard. We have heard the very word of God coming out of the mouth of God for the three and a half years that we were with him. We listened as he preached the sermon on the mount. We heard him call us out one by one to follow him, to come and see. And, and listen, let me just tell you what we've seen with our own eyes. 
He says, we saw him drink from Jacob's well because this man, Jesus, got thirsty. We saw him eat with sinners and tax collectors because, like us, he got hungry. We saw him eat even after he was raised from the dead. And and let me begin to tell you, we saw these miracles that he performed, miracle after miracle, as people were healed. We saw with our own eyes, John would say, as Jesus was lifted high on that cross, and we watched him suffer and bleed and even die, and we watched the sky turn black as not and later we saw him resurrected but more than just seeing this with our own eyes John says we observe these things and in the Greek it's a little different than just seeing this he's saying we watched very intently even in admiration as John would say in his gospel we beheld these things we beheld his glory John would say we watched him live just like we live except we never seen the man sin we watched him never lose his temper to the point of sinning against God. We watched as he, he never told a lie. He never did anything wrong. He never did anything without love. And he loved even the ones that everybody else refused to love. We observed, John might say, a man who was completely full of God's grace and truth. But John says more than even all of that, we held him in our hands. In this time of year, I can't help but think about Mother Mary holding this child. As that song says, as she touched your face, she touched the very face of God. As she held this child in her arms, she was holding God in the flesh. John, as he says, we, we, we held him. He might be thinking about Thomas, who in the upper room actually put his hands in the very places where the nails had been driven through Jesus' hands, in the place where the Spirit entered his side. John might say, even I leaned against him, and I talked to him, and I laid back against him, and, and, and conversed with him on the very night Judas betrayed him. He says, we've heard and seen and touched the Creator, the Word of God, the Savior of the world with our own eyes and ears and even our own hands. But John doesn't leave it there because he knew Jesus was not only an actual man, but more importantly, I think for us today, Jesus was absolutely God. We don't struggle with the idea that Jesus was a man for whatever reason. 2,000 years later, even skeptics will agree that there was a man from Nazareth named Jesus who lived and walked on this earth and died. But for us, the, the, most of the time, the, the problem is accepting that this man, Jesus, was actually God himself, the Son of God. And John says this, he calls it this life. He says this life was revealed. And he's not just talking about the life of the man, Jesus of Nazareth, who was born to the Virgin Mary, but he's talking about the eternal life of God the Father. And through Jesus, this life, this special life was revealed to us. It was made manifest to us. As the Bible says, Jesus was the radiance of God's glory and his exact expression of God's nature. That's in Hebrews. And John watched for three and a half years, and he understood Jesus was not just a wonderful man. Jesus was not just an incredible teacher. Jesus was not just a kind-hearted person. He was literally God in the flesh, as our choir sang about. He was Emmanuel, God with us. And there was no denying his deity, that he was God. And, And somehow, not only God, but he's fully God and fully man. He's not half and half, as some of John's counterparts believed. He wasn't a little bit more of one than he was the other. He was 100% man and 100% God. One of the greatest mysteries 
that God's ever come up with. But Dr. John Phillips summarized John's statement this way. He said they, the the apostles, the disciples, they watched as Jesus went about doing good, never having to apologize for anything he said or did. He was humble and holy, loving and lowly and patient and pure. His wisdom, love and power never ceased to amaze them. He was never at a loss, never taken by surprise, never wrong. And he treated all men alike, rich and poor, powerful and weak, friend and foe. He loved and cared for them all. He had command over demons, disease and death, could turn water into wine and make loaves and fish multiply in his very hands. A word from him and tempestuous winds and waves were hushed to rest. He could walk upon the waves or walk through solid walls. And he had eyes that could see through all of life's little disguises. He healed people with a word and never lost a case or charged a fee. Speaking the truth without fear or favor, he taught the truth with an unparalleled pungency and potency. He was never deceived, never discouraged, never dismayed. Such was the life that he lived. Eternal life was manifested, and John declares himself and the other disciples as witnesses to it all. You see, folks, this is the miracle of Christmas, that God himself actually became a man, took on this human form whose name was Jesus, that the word, as John says, become flesh, and he was somehow in God's infinite wisdom and power and miracle was both fully God and fully man. But John doesn't even leave it at that, as wonderful as that is. He goes on to the, so what? What does this mean? For you, And John tells us that because Jesus was a man, because he was like us, but only, not only that, but completely God and the Son of God, that he'll accept you today because he can be your Savior. Jesus will accept you. John says, we declare this to you. We tell you all these things so that you too can have the fellowship that we have. And not just fellowship with them, not just being friends with, with other Christians. John uses a word that we've talked about before in the Greek called koinonia. He says, so that you can have this intimate communion with God himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that you too can have this complete joy. You see, John's talking about something we've talked about before. This, this joy, this contentment as we've recently talked about. This peace. And, and John is, is saying that this only comes through Christ as we've, we've talked about recently. And to think about where John's and in his own life. You know what they did to the Apostle John? They tried to kill him one time. They dumped him in a big old hot pot of boiling oil and tried to, to boil the old Apostle to death. But you know what? Somehow he miraculously survived that. They couldn't even kill him. And now John is old and he, he's sitting in this pagan city of Ephesus, writing to his fellow Christians. And back, his, his home in Jerusalem probably is lying in ruins as the whole city has been ransacked, the temple's been destroyed, Rome barbarically persecutes Christ's church, heretics threaten the church from within with false doctrine. And he says, listen, even in the middle of all of this, I have this joy that is unspeakable and unfathomable because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying in spite of the darkness of this world and the chaos all around us, in spite of the circumstances of your life, even through this Christmas season this year, you too can have the joy and the peace that comes through knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Many years before this, John had sat in a boat with the other disciples. And he'd watched with his very eyes. And this is what he's saying. If you could just read into his story, he says, I saw this stuff. I saw Jesus. I touched Jesus. I heard him speak and teach and preach. And one of the things he saw with his own eyes was as they were in this boat one night, Jesus come walking across that water. And John's watching all this. And suddenly Peter, being who Peter was, jumps out of the boat. And John watches as Peter takes off towards Jesus. And then he watches as as Peter looks at, he takes his eyes off Jesus and he gets caught up in the the wind and the waves around him and he begins to sink and he he hears Peter cry out, Lord, save me. And, And Jesus just picks him up out of the water and brings him back in the boat. And Matthew tells us that it was in that precious moment that the disciples, including John himself, worshiped Jesus. And they said, Truly, you are the Son of God. They realize that through Peter's blunder, a very important truth for us that John's reiterating here, and that's that the things that threaten us most, those things in life that tend to take our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ, are still the very things that are under His complete control. And if we, too, would just cry out in that simple faith like Peter did that night that John heard, Lord, save me, and we just trust Jesus, then we, too, could be saved. The miracle of Christmas may be that God became a man, that the Word became flesh, but the message of Christmas will always be this, that God so loved this world, that He so loved me and you, that He gave His only begotten Son, that if we would just believe in Him, then we might have everlasting life. That's the gospel of Christmas. The question is, is that you this morning? I know in today's world, many people wrestle with who Jesus is. Was He just a man? Is He truly God? Is He God's truly and only begotten Son? Are you like those that John wrote to and you just can't wrap your mind around these things? Man, join the club. I don't know how it works either, but I know that it works. God did this incredible miracle 2,000 years ago and sent His Son for me and you. Have you been struggling with making Jesus the Lord of your life? And today you realize you need to be saved. Why don't you do that this morning? Take Him at His word and come as countless millions, maybe billions over the years have and be saved this morning. Stand together as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you that this truly is the most wonderful time of the year. God, where would we be if you hadn't sent Jesus? Lord, like the many generations before, we'd still be walking around looking, hopelessly wandering, and just eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come. But God, 2,000 years removed, we know that He's already come. And God, we thank You that today, because of, of, of Jesus, we can have that peace. We can have everlasting life. We can have forgiveness and a relationship with You. And God, if there's someone here today that needs that so desperately, Father, I pray they'd be saved this morning. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So we sing this song this morning. Why don't you come if the Lord's dealing with you, if there's something you just need to pray about or a decision that you need to make, why don't you come as we sing? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.